Welcome back to the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast, a place where you and all of your crap are not just welcome, you're wanted. I'm your host, Blake Gishay, and every week I'm showing up with a new friend to talk about the things we're really great at, the ways Christ fills in the gaps on the things that we're not, and how he has been faithful to make his power perfect in our weaknesses. My hope is that you walk away feeling empowered and not alone in your struggles, and that people sharing their stories pushes you to share yours. All right, let's do this. Today's interview is with Heather Borsma. Heather is a speaker, author, and life coach who communicates the truth of God's word with humor and creativity. So she's right up our alley. Her hope is that by transparently sharing her story, you'll be drawn into a deeper relationship with Christ, and you are going to love her. While our topic today is heavy, we're talking about pain, Heather approaches it in such a great way, making it less scary, and also giving us really incredible tools to process our pain with God. It's a really, really great interview, and I can't wait for you to hear it. Heather, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. But today is also like one of those more heavy topics that we're going to talk about. Um, And I, I have no doubt that we're going to handle it gracefully and like give you good things to walk away with. But today we're talking about pain, like being in pain, processing mm-hmm. pain and how to do that well. Um, yeah. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's a scary topic. And I think yeah, I'm excited for us to kind of like dig into what all that looks like and why it doesn't have to be as scary as it initially feels. Yeah, absolutely. So to get us started and just like give people a chance to know you, tell us a little bit of your story. Sure. So I am from Canada and I am a wife to a really crazy entrepreneurial seven, if you follow uh, the Enneagram. Yeah. <laughs> I got a seven <laughs> um, wing, so I get it. <laughs> yeah, he's a wild one. Um, and then we have three little crazies who are also pretty wild. We have a almost eight-year-old, six-year-old, and an 18-month-old. So we're kind of straddling two worlds with like our elementary kids and then our baby. And then when I'm not, um, busy with those four, um, I speak and write and do a little bit of life coaching. Oh, so so you have... Mm -hmm. A book coming out. Actually, it will be out by the time this episode airs. Yes. My new book is called Letters from a Big Sister, and it's coming April 6th. And yeah, it's basically for young women. It's a bunch of authors writing to their younger selves, sharing a struggle they went through, and what do I wish I would have known that could have helped me through that struggle. Dang. So That is going to be yeah. a resource. That's going to be I think so, so good. I'm so pumped about it. Yeah. It's kind of like mentorship in a book. I mean, yeah. it would be great if we could have those one-on-one relationships, but this is kind of like the next best thing. So. Well, and I love that it's like that you, that it's a collaboration, you know, yeah. there, are, there are so many things that even somebody who has walked through a lot of life and walked through a lot of pain still will not have experienced that the woman next to you will have. So right. I love that you're going to have, I mean all these different viewpoints that's going to be that's going to be amazing yeah it's I wanted to do a book that was collaborative and I was like how does one do that and yeah. I think I found a good way you it's did. like 
each chapter starts with like a letter from the author and then I kind of expand on their letters and then there's journaling pages and like ways to interact with the content and uh, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of work to yeah. do it that way. Oh, I oh bet. I bet. It's hard <laughs> but enough to write a book, fun. but like write a book with a whole bunch of people. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so kind of circling us back to pain. Yes. Uh, I think that it's safe to say that anybody that's listening has experienced some form of pain. I think we all uh, have encountered it at some point in some probably different capacity I know that I have had a really good life and I had a really easy childhood but I still have encountered pain and I have encountered hurt um and have not always done a great job of walking through that have not always done a great job of processing it so I think the first real question or topic point is why is it so important to like talk about it and understand and process our pain? That's a great question. Um, yeah, when you first were saying about like we've all experienced pain, but in like different capacities, I think that's like a great point to kind of address, which is that all pain is pain and all pain is valid. And sometimes I think we feel like if I didn't like, lose a family member or I wasn't abused or, you know, it's not traumatic. Is it really pain? And is it really justified? And can I really talk about it? And the answer is yes. The answer is that pain is pain is pain is pain. And your pain over the loss of your loved one might feel very similar to my pain over a breakup. Mm-hmm. And the more important thing is like, how do we process that when it comes? And the first thing that we can do is what I call radical acceptance. Mm. And that's tied into that whole thing of like, your pain is valid, is just like accepting, radically accepting, this is what I feel right now. Mm. Dang. And that's okay. Yeah. And that sounds simple, but it is for me huge. And hard. <laughs> just And so hard. Yeah. So hard to just say, like, I am in pain right now. Yeah. And without explaining it, without justifying it, without trying to get out of it mm-hmm. right away, just like accepting it. Yeah. I think like I think about how often I've either myself said or had someone say to me, well, like, I mean, it could be worse. Like, I mean, it's, yeah, this sucks and this is hard, but like, at least I didn't fill in the blank. At least this fill in the blank didn't happen. And I think that exactly what we're saying, like, we're doing ourselves a disservice Mm -hmm. by not accepting and processing through that hurt and that pain because. So I have told the story a couple of times about when my eldest, who is now four, was one, we had this really incredibly scary medical situation where she almost, like, she almost died. Um, she was, like, intubated and in a medically induced coma, and it was horrible. Wow. But she was fine. I mean, they did, like, every single test that you can possibly do, and every single time the doctor would walk in the room and be like, she's perfect. She's perfect. She's perfect. Wow. And so because we left the the intensive care unit 
with this healthy, totally fine child, I did exactly what you're talking about and like didn't give myself the space to process that pain right. and be like, I just like, I yeah. excused it off. And then it right. came back and beat the hell out of me six months later. Yes. Yes. <laughs> because I that didn't process thing. it. Right. That's the thing that's so important to recognize is like, if you don't process it, it gets trapped mm-hmm. in your body. It doesn't just go away. And it No. And it will come out but it will probably come out in a much more destructive way later than if you had just in the moment. Yes. Yeah. If I had just taken care of myself after it happened and not been so, well, I mean, she's fine. So I'm fine. Right. Like it's like, I, um, like I almost lost my child. That is a huge trauma, but I've done it when a really bad breakup happens. Yeah. Like, it's okay. It's fine. Like, if, you know, it wasn't a marriage. It wasn't, like, it's not like I got a divorce. It was just a breakup. Right. You know, like, we excuse things off, and then they always, always, always come back and punch me in the face. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I know. It's so true. And I think, like, why do we, why do you think we do that? Like, why do we not give ourselves the space? Do you think it's because we just don't want to experience that, that pain right then? Or do we feel invalid? Or both, I think probably. It's a few, yeah, I think it's a few things. I think, um, interestingly enough, like we mentioned the Enneagram earlier, there are certain numbers on the Enneagram that like just hate the idea of feeling anything that's an negative. And that's, yeah, sevens and eights um, are kind of notorious for that. But I think we all have it to some level. Absolutely. But um, yeah, I think we're afraid that it will, that if we if we admit that we're in pain and we kind of dive into that, that it won't end. Ooh, ooh, that is what it is. You're like counseling right? me right now. I'm like, oh, that yes. is why I avoid pain. Yeah, we're like, we're like, shoot, if I go there, like I might never come out again. But the truth is pain has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm. It it does. It It never lasts forever. And actually, we only prolong it and make it last longer when we don't process it. Yes. Right? So we might be able to, like, put it off for a little while. But then we're not walking in fullness and wholeness. And so we're kind of walking in this low-grade pain. And then it does eventually come out. And if we're resisting it, then we just make the whole process take longer. We can't speed it up. But we can't – well, we can speed it up. If we just do it. If we just do it, it can go faster. Right. But if we we can prolong it, though, if we avoid it. Yeah. That's what I was about to say. Like, maybe we can't speed it up, but we can for sure prolong it and make it. Yes. Even I know for a fact that if I had handled that, gotten counseling, been honest about the pain that I was in, that I had had to experience that trauma the next week, it would not have been what it turned into. Right. And I like I I'm an eight. I always say, like, don't make me feel things. Don't make me feel feelings. Like I don't but that I'm doing my and I know I've already said like I do myself a disservice by not but it totally is because I think this is gonna be forever. I am going to be in this degree of pain forever. And like as a believer that's completely forgetting the promises that God has handed down. Like, right. 
did he say that our walk was going to be easy? No, but he also said, like, he leads us to green pastures. Like, it can't be like this forever if I believe that he is who he says he is. Well, and I think even in addition to that, to think that his presence will leave us in pain is completely misunderstanding who he is as a good father. Mm -hmm. Like, he does not leave us in pain. He's even closer when we're in pain. And what I have found is that in that space that I used to try and avoid, when I jump into it fully with both feet, the biggest surprise I find there is his presence, Mm. is a new revelation of his love, is a new aspect of his character. And the, the whole idea that he's gracious and compassionate or that he is close to the brokenhearted, or, you know, Mm. all of those things that we've read in scripture before, they, they take on a whole new meaning when you're actually in that place of pain. Yeah. And, and inviting him into it with you. Yeah. And I think that another, like, I'm like, literally feel like we're having a counseling session right now, because I'm like, (laughs) wait, how, what other super warped thinking do I have about pain? Like, I, I think, I bet that it would resonate with people, the idea of because I have Jesus, I shouldn't, like, be in pain. I should just, like, know that his plan is good and be fine. That is so true that I think that is a huge point in people of faith. Another reason we avoid pain other than thinking it'll never end is we have shame Mm -hmm. over pain. Mm -hmm. So we think that if we experience pain, it means that we don't believe the promises of God or that somehow we have done something to separate ourselves from him because with him there should be, you know, perfect contentment all the time. Right. And again, that's just not in line with who we see Jesus to be. Right. That like, is I'm sure completely not biblical. <laughs> no, I mean really like you look at Jesus, like he dove into places of pain with people. Yes. Like the story of Lazarus, right? And I just mm. again read that the other day. That's like and, one of my favorites. Yeah. And like the fact that he chose to enter into a space with his friends with Mary and Martha, and he didn't just make it all go away. He entered into their pain with them. Yeah, he wasn't like, lock it, it up, guys. No, this is fine. and he wasn't like pretending to cry. Yeah. He was like, no, I'm present in this moment with you, and I am experiencing this loss with you, and it's real, and it matters, mm. and it's valid, and he knew he was going to do a miracle. He knew he was going to raise him back. Yep. He didn't have to cry. He didn't have to enter into that moment with them. But when he did, he validated their pain. Yeah. And he said, this matters and this is important. But look, I'm right here with the- you. Yes. Yes. Well, and like and- Jesus experienced pain. Oh my like, gosh, right? Garden. Like nobody else. You know what I mean? Like, when yeah. I always, I think about like when he is literally begging God to take this that he doesn't have to walk through what he's about to walk through i mean that is the epitome of pain and jesus was in pain and he was god why do we think that we are above or should not experience pain when like the god man did you know what i mean like well and i feel like i i don't know this for sure but like i'm pretty sure god himself experiences pain yeah on a regular basis i'm pretty sure we pain him often Yes. So 
And I don't think he avoids his pain because if he avoided his pain, he would be avoiding all of us. Yeah, exactly. And I've never really thought about that before this moment, but I'm pretty sure that if God feels pain, then it's okay for us to feel pain too. Amen. Like you are. There's nothing unholy. No. Yeah, there's nothing unholy about pain. Let's just say that. Right now, like there's nothing. Like you are free of the shame to experience pain, and like you were created for emotion and feelings, and one of those is this sucks. This hurt. Yeah. I wish this wouldn't have happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I think that that's a a thing that the church has not done super well. Like the capital C American yeah. Christian church is meet people in their pain. Right. And instead of explaining it away. I think that there's a reason why the church is afraid of it. And that reason is actually important and valid. And that is like, we don't want to live in that space forever. And I would never encourage someone to stay there. Right. But I would say like, that's a, that's a starting place. A starting place is the acceptance of it and feeling those feelings and being okay with not being okay. That's a starting point. Yeah. I mean, cause I think we've all encountered people who live here Yeah, and that's not healthy or holy either. This episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast is sponsored by It's Time for Coffee Productions, the incredible producer behind the Crappy Christian Podcast, and many more. If you've ever thought about starting a podcast of your own and then been completely stumped on where to even start, first of all, welcome to the club. Second of all, I've said it time and time again, this podcast would not exist without Jeanette Tapley from It's Time for Coffee Productions. Her workflow and ethic on top of the quality she puts out every single episode is unparalleled. Not to mention, she's just super fun to work with. So if you want to take the next step into entering the podcast host world, jump over to itstimeforcoffeepod.com and tell Jeanette you came from the Krabby Christian Podcast for the free editing of one episode when you sign up, which is a $100 value. Now back to the show. How do we do that? What are practical yeah. tools that we can use when we're experiencing pain to respond in a healthy way? And I know the start is accepting it, like that radical yeah. acceptance. Yeah. But then like what's what's after that? So for me, the next step is always vulnerability. Mm. And another thing and connection. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> it's hard for all of us, but yes, it's reaching out for connection to a person who you know is going to create space for your pain and when you're ready speak truth to that pain Mm -hmm. so I think it's really important that we're careful with who we let into that space because if we just go to the friend who we know is going to be like oh yeah I feel it too and like oh yeah you are so justified in that and oh like these are all the other things that are going wrong in our lives. And like, yep. let's just talk about how bad it is. Yeah. That's not the right person to bring nope. into your nope. pain. <laughs> nope. So choose someone who's safe, safe being that they're not just going to give you the right answers. And they're not just going to tell you like, well, Jesus loves you. So everything's okay, which is true, but you don't need to hear I that. I don't need right to hear then. that right now. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, someone who will allow you to feel it. And then will when you're ready, be like, hey, are you ready to hear what I think about it? And then we'll speak truth 
to you in that moment. So yes. for me, that's been my husband. I'm really grateful that he is a person who, when I tell him how I'm feeling, he will say to me, like, don't rush those feelings. Don't rush how you're feeling right now. Like be in that space for yeah. as long as you need to be. And I'm like, who are you? Like, how do you have that wisdom? It's so wise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and he wasn't always that way. Like he's yeah. gotten a lot of healing and a lot of freedom himself in the last few years that have allowed him to be able to create that space for me and for other people. Um, but then he'll say to me, like, are you ready to hear what I think? Mm-hmm. And I can say no. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I do. And then we don't have that conversation. But eventually I'll say, yeah, like I do want to hear what you have to say. And then he'll speak the truth to me. And yeah. um having a person like that. And if you don't have that person in your life, like you hire that person, you go to a counselor, you go to a life coach, you go to a pastor. And I mean, hopefully you don't have to hire a pastor, but whatever, if you do, (laughs) um, just do it. Do what you got to do. (laughs) You do what you got to do to be, uh, ruthlessly vulnerable Mm. with the people around you that are safe. That is so good. Ruthlessly vulnerable. I like to add those words because it does feel that way. Like, to be, to accept, it feels radical to accept pain. Like it feels Mm -hmm. like a radical thing to do and to be vulnerable to that level. It feels like you are just being ruthless with that pain. Like you're saying like, this is not where I'm going to stay. I am not accepting this as my new reality. Like Jesus said, though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, Mm. not Though you live in the valley of the shadow of death, though you make your home there, though you walk through it. So you're meant to walk through pain, not stay there. And in order to do that, you've got to be ruthlessly vulnerable. So good. I love that. The walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And that's another indicator for those of us who struggle with embracing pain because we think it's going to be forever. Like, it isn't. It's that's literally no. what the Bible says is you have to walk through it, but there is going yeah. to be light and freedom on the other side of that. I think that it's also really challenging to to do this, but then also to be that person that you're talking about for people. Right. To mm-hmm. to be intentional in our response to our friends who are in pain. Uh, for that to not always, like, it doesn't need to be, man, yeah, everything is awful. And, like, you know, there's a way to dig in with people without it in a healthy way. Exactly yeah. what you're saying of this is hard. You need to feel this. You need to experience this. And I'm here to speak truth when you're ready. I think that yes. that would be huge if we, if those of us that aren't actively walking through pain took it upon ourselves to be that for other people yeah and what you just said there like that's like a script that we could all use with our friends in pain is like it's important and I'm here you know that's what people need to know they don't need a solution they don't need a Christian (laughs) answer right they need to know that they are not alone in it yeah. Because you know what? The scariest thing about pain isn't the the actual feeling of it. It's the feeling it alone. A hundred percent. That's the scariest. A hundred percent. Absolutely. And the the solution to like anxiety, depression, the solution to like addiction isn't 
sobriety, it isn't never feeling anxious or depressed. It's connection. Mm -hmm. It's being in it with someone else who can help remind you you're not alone and this won't last forever and I'm here with you in it. And then also sometimes maybe turn around and say you need Zoloft. Right. Sometimes you have to be that truth friend too. Like, Listen, there is nothing wrong with taking medication if you need it. And a friend telling you that is super important. I have been that friend. Like I have been that friend who has walked through anxiety over and over and over with someone and done my best to be that friend that we're talking about. And it finally gets to a point where like, that's hard to tell somebody. Yeah. That is a hard truth. But I think that if we were stepping up in community and doing that with each other, like sometimes we have to say that like the hard thing, sometimes when our yeah. friend is experiencing pain, the truth that you have to tell them is hard. And I think that yeah. if we allow Christ in us to be with people, <laughs> sometimes it looks like friend, I love you. I think it's time to go to a, a doctor. I think it's time to yeah. have a conversation. I had somebody do that for me. Yeah. Like I had somebody, I have generalized anxiety disorder and I walked through it and I walked through it and I walked through it and I had a really good friend finally be like, I think we need to talk medicine. Yeah. That's hard. But that's being in it with somebody. Yes. That doesn't mean you just like. Example. But I mean. I think sometimes being that friend like we're talking about means saying hard things. Yeah. And eventually like that whole like feel it and be in it. That's again, like we said, that's the that's where you start. And then as the spirit leads you like you start to have to say those things like you're saying and sometimes our friends need a kick in the pants and yep. like we can always like give them a little warning like hey this might hurt a little bit but here it comes yeah. like this is yeah. what I really see you know we've been talking about the same conversation for the last two weeks or two months or two years yep. and now I need to tell you something that because I love you and because I don't want you to stay there and I don't think you're meant to stay there um Yeah, I think definitely saying the hard things is a loving thing to do. So as we're talking about like emotional health and having those hard conversations, this is kind of a left turn, but an an easy left turn. Like how, how does the church step into that? How does, how does the church step into helping people find emotional health and process their pain? I think that's such a great question because what I see right now in general is two approaches to the hard emotions. One is um, like people just going unchecked and just like letting their emotions run their lives. Mm-hmm. And um, that's one approach. And then I think the second is like s- quoting verses like the heart is deceitful and just so, shaming people like so crazy. <laughs> right. So unhelpful. Just telling people like your emotions are bad just like don't listen to them yep and I've seen this like on social media and stuff even lately where people are posting stuff about like don't trust your emotions like don't listen to your heart because it will like lead you astray blah 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 and I'm like hold up hold up like God made your emotions exactly (laughs) and maybe they shouldn't be driving the car but they shouldn't be shoved in the trunk either because that is why there's a rise in mental health issues in our world right now is because we're shoving our emotions in the trunk and just hoping they'll go away. Or we're letting and them the, drive the car. Like we have got to find a middle the car ground. And like driving off the road. Right. Like <laughs> head on collision. Yeah. So what I would say to all that is 
put the emotions in the passenger seat of the car. Mm -hmm. They are important and they are an indicator of other things that are going on that you need to pay attention to. They are like the check engine light. And if you ignore them, you will run into trouble. But if you like let them completely throw you off and like dictate everything, they will also get you into trouble. So Mm -hmm. emotions are something that we can use as an indicator of something that we need to pay attention to. Yeah. So if you are in a situation and you get triggered and you recognize that there's this like negative emotion happening, there's this pain happening, ask yourself a question, ask yourself, what triggered that? What thought was attached to that emotion? Because every single emotion has a thought attached Mm -hmm. to it. When I learned that, that changed everything for me because I used to think like my feelings were just so out of control. And then I realized, oh no, I, even though I can't change my emotion, if an emotion is attached to a thought, I can actually change the thought. I can trace it back and do mm-hmm. the work and dig up what this thought and often what the lie is Yes, that I'm believing and living out of, and then essentially change the emotion. Right. And the word like the lie I'm believing, like that for me is kind of how I grew up with like the lie and the truth. And it kind of polarizes like pain and it kind of puts it in that like evil categories, like all the negative emotions attached to a lie. So the, the language that I like to use when I'm like doing my coaching or talking to young women who are going through hard stuff is the story that you're telling yourself. Mm. So what's the story you're telling yourself? Because the story isn't like evil or wrong. Right even though it might be attached to a lie and that actually is the correct, you know, accurate. Yeah. Lie definitely has a negative connotation. Yeah. where This isn't something you need to beat yourself up about. Like you're telling yourself a story. You're telling yourself an untruth. Let's figure it out. Yeah. And usually those stories are attached to experiences that we've had, right? Either as a child or just a repeated pattern in our life that we've always kind of experienced and our brain looks for patterns. So our brain wants to tell us the same story over and over again, because it takes less energy for the brain to think the same thing that it's always thought. Yes. It takes a lot more work for our brain to think a new thought. Yes. So the story you tell yourself is attached to the emotion. So if you can recognize the emotion when it happens and then go, okay, what's the story I'm telling myself right now? The story I'm telling myself is, oh, because nobody responded positively to my post that was super vulnerable. That means that my vulnerability is like a turn off to people and that people won't respect me when I'm vulnerable. And like, I should never do that again. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's one story. But if I want to change my emotion, what's a story that's more in line with truth that I can tell myself? Well, I could tell myself, um, first of all, p- people probably didn't even see my post because of the algorithm. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and second of all, when people see things that are really true and really vulnerable, sometimes it triggers them mm-hmm. and they don't know how to respond to those things because they're like, oh, like I feel that and yeah. I don't even want to admit that I feel that. Yeah. Or that's just an example, you know, right. it's like it's still true. It still lines up with what happened. You're not in denial of the fact that you posted and nobody responded. Right. But you're telling yourself a story that actually serves you. Yes. All right, y'all. Honestly, it's impressive that we've made it this long. 
without having audio issues, but we lost the end of this interview. And by we, I mean me. This is my fault. <laughs> um, and honestly, this conversation was so solid that I feel okay about it. So here is your addendum that we lost some of the audio. We don't have the last little bit with Heather's um, rapid fire questions. But if you want to hear more from Heather, which I'm sure you do, you can follow her on Instagram at Heather Borsma. And you can pick up her book, which is out now, Letters from a Big Sister, which is so good. So there you go. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Confessions of a Crappy Christian podcast. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and you can find the show notes and more information about the show at confessionsofacrappychristian.com. I'll see y'all next week. This morning, Jen woke up, made three breakfasts, did two loads of laundry, and one conference call. But she also saved $25 because Jen uses a new innovation from Huntington called Money Scout. It analyzes Jen's checking account to find money that's not being used and moves it to her savings automatically. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash Money Scout. Huntington, welcome. Message and data rates may apply to text alerts. Money Scout is subject to eligibility, terms and conditions, and other account agreements. Member FDIC. This morning, Jen woke up, made three breakfasts, did two loads of laundry, and one conference call. But she also saved $25 because Jen uses a new innovation from Huntington called Money Scout. It analyzes Jen's checking account to find money that's not being used and moves it to her savings automatically. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash Money Scout. Huntington, welcome. Message and data rates may apply to text alerts. Money Scout is subject to eligibility, terms and conditions, and other account agreements. Member FDIC. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at ritual.com podcast.